Lovely people. We are Ben and Steve people. Say hello, Steve. Uh, hello, I am Steve people. <laughs> that sounded really natural. Yes. <laughs> we we are not pod persons, that is for sure. <laughs> we know human words, and <laughs> we make human podcasts for you, listen. <laughs> Very believable. Yeah. <laughs> How are you today, Steve? I'm pretty great. Um, uh, had a busy day. I was out uh, in the sun an awful lot, doing a lot of uh, physical stuff. You were so. out there Hollywood in my ass, weren't you? Yeah, I was Hollywooding it up. Damn. You know how it is. All right, Man. so since you've become Hollywood Steve, mm -hmm. how, That's me. how long did in it take before... W-O. <laughs> How long did it take before your 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 beard stubble became grossly mismatched to your head hair? Um, it was almost immediate, actually. <laughs> uh, it, it was weird because it immediately started looking like it was painted on for some reason. <laughs> N.W.O. Yeah. Hogan's beard was always just, like his stubble rig uh -huh. was always the most like stenciled on looking <laughs> shit I've ever seen. Well, the thing is to turn. Uh, you know, uh, Hulk Hogan into a villain. You you gotta do something to make people just be like, God, why does he do that? I fucking hate that. Somewhere like, there was like a creative meeting where they were sitting around the table going like, now, nah. you know, Hogan is one of the most beloved, beloved mm -hmm. face uh, wrestlers of all time. The kids love him. Everybody loves Hogan. What, mm -hmm. what Bubba loves Punch's wife. He, apparently. What would be some cues, some visual cues that we could give to make him less likable? Hmm. How about we make his stubble a different color than his hair? <laughs> <laughs> like you know, marketing research shows that kids hate that shit. <laughs> <laughs> they tested this like among a panel of like young kids and stuff, and they were like, "No, no, not that." <laughs> what happened to the real American? What happened to the matching stubble? No. Oh. Who's going to fight for the rights of every man? The real mystery is like, okay, head hair, blonde, stubble, mm -hmm. black, chest right. hair, not present. <laughs> what color yeah. are those pubes? Oh, man. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say gray. Just like, <laughs> actually like, just pure white. You know what happened? Snowy. I heard, you know what I heard was that... Uh, when Hulk Hogan was in, uh, he was in high school, he was kind of a quiet kid and, uh, he got into a car crash and then oh. when he came to school and he was changing in the locker room, <laughs> his all the kids saw hair. that his pubes had turned from black <laughs> into bright white. <laughs> he couldn't quite explain it. No. <laughs> crash test dummies, y'all. That's a crash test dummies joke. What yeah. podcast have you listened to? that featured a crash test dummies joke you know what <laughs> name one and hashtag it 
I'm a fucking liar. <laughs> You're welcome, y'all. You're welcome. I've been uh, I've been doing well too. This uh, this morning, I woke up to the very, very, very highly unfortunate news that apparently we lost Chris Cornell, um, mm-hmm. one yeah. of the greatest male vocals ever recorded of all time one of my one of my real musical idols um chris's impact on me musically is tremendous i've always wanted to sing like that never been able to but (laughs) but (laughs) i just can't believe it man i really 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 can't believe it the uh the work he did with soundgarden and temple of the dog and audio slave and his solo work of course too it's it's undeniably incredible and like i said one of the best male vocals ever recorded of all time uh really really bums me out man and i found out about halfway through the day that apparently it was um it's looking like it was uh via means of a suicide yeah which is uh tremendously unfortunate and i don't mean to get all i don't mean to get all super real on you guys this is a pretty light-hearted kind of show but you know, it just it just kind of goes to show you, and this is what really hit me about it. I'm like, I look at Chris Cornell, and I see a guy who is one of the most talented and respected and influential uh, and successful musicians of my lifetime. I mean, the guy really, he had it all. He was even, like, good-looking and stuff, you know? And, uh, you know, if, if you have really legit, you know, psychological problems or depression... Even all of those accomplishments aren't, still aren't enough, you know? Yeah. You can still, you can outwardly appear to be the most successful person in the world and still have Mm. demons inside that are really getting down on you. So it just really kind of blew my mind. I was like, you know, if if that can happen to him, it can happen to anybody. It can literally happen to absolutely anybody. So I just want to, I just want to really put it out there. I want to be the Fraser Crane and say, you know, if anybody out there is struggling with these kind of issues, there are so many resources online um, completely for free that you can tap into to help you deal mm. with your troubles, deal with your problems, check in on your loved ones. You know, if, if you even have an inkling of a suspicion that something might be going on with somebody, even though their outward life appears very happy, please, please talk to them. Just talk to them. Just ask. And, mm. um, yeah, sometimes that's all that it takes is just reaching out, you know? You just never know. Yeah. Yeah, dealing with uh, dealing with uh, a, another person's depression can be very hard. My wife suffers from uh, a severe depression. Sure. But uh, she, she is on the right medicines that make her uh, comfortable and happy most all of the time. Uh, but it can be very hard to see someone that you love go through that. So, sure. Uh, you know, if you if you see someone going through it, do try to help. If uh, if you think uh, it's gonna help to tell them to just cheer up, maybe keep your comments to yourself. Realize that it's it's not a matter of just making a choice to to feel better. And and as Ben said, uh, it doesn't matter what happens in your life, what sort of success you have. Uh, depression is depression it's it's a monster um so yeah definitely do try to seek help i mean some people need a pill to feel better that that's really all there is to it sometimes yeah it's sometimes just a that really room. is it yeah sometimes your body doesn't produce the right chemicals and it makes you feel bad mm-hmm. that's all there is to it for yep. some and people uh, some people just need a set of ears that can listen that they can talk to yeah and that's all there is to it i mean sure i'm, I'm not gonna say one or the other is what you need you just yeah. need to try and figure it out yourself. 
Yep. But this is not a music podcast. Jeez. It's not? What? I don't understand. I can't imagine what else we would talk about. <laughs> Maybe we talk about one of our favorite scurry movies, a little flick by Dario Argento by the name of Suspiria. Suspiria. (laughs) It's also my favorite Phil Collins song. Yeah, everybody (laughs) loves that one. (laughs) So um, we didn't mention this, but as, as is kind of the typical routine for our show, we recorded a Suspiria episode several months ago, and that is true. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> Just total novice podcaster mistakes. The audio on it was fucked. So here we are re-recording it for you guys, and uh, yeah. So this is sort of a new update. This, the first time that I watched it was for the podcast. Yeah, me too. Um, a couple months ago, and. I was fucking floored. I love, 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 love this movie. I watched it a couple times um, whenever we did the original podcast a couple months ago. I haven't watched it since. Um, I've read a couple synopses and stuff just to sort of refresh hmm. my memory. So the first time that you watched it was for the show as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I um, I had always sort of avoided it because I had seen stills from it mm-hmm. and thought... Ah, uh, I don't know. I don't know about this. Like, cause the blood is just like so ketchup pinkish. And, yeah, and uh, it, it's so stylized. But watching it was just—it was a trip. It's like it, you learn so much about um, Giallo just from watching this. Like this could be seen in some ways as as a quintessential the quintessential giallo movie absolutely um, though people i'm sure would argue that mario bava's uh, black sabbath or something else but i mean this is certainly arguable i would argue um, that some people can go fuck themselves i'd argue a bunch of people can go fuck themselves <laughs> but you know what if you're all going to fuck yourselves just get together have a good time <laughs> make a night of it yeah so this movie, its primary subject is witches, witches and witches. witchcraft. <laughs> witchcraft. You know, Ben, witches and I, we go back so far. No doubt. I, yeah, I think the um, the movie that scared me the most as a child, and um, I don't know if any of this has survived. I think in the in episodes that. We aren't able to post. I've said that as a child, some of my favorite movies were Scarface and Terminator and Commando. Yeah. And uh, the first movie I saw in the theater was The Running Man, Arnold Schwarzenegger's The Running Man. Well done. Um, the first movie that scared the shit out of me was The Wizard of Oz. Well, it's fucking scary as shit. Yeah. The witch scared the shit out of me in The Flying Monkeys. Um, so witches, I have this like, strong affinity for witch horror movies or just witch movies in general i feel like even witch comedies can can be a bit scary so uh, <laughs> but uh you know uh there are some really great witch movies out there ben and uh, as far as i understand we've compiled the top five well i mean maybe maybe it is that we have and maybe it maybe is it that is. we want to share it with you guys yeah, that's, that's part of this week's episode. So we're gonna yeah. throw you guys a couple of our favorite witch movies. 
which, which we movies? have compiled. I'll uh, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna go ahead and kick this bitch off. Uh oh. With a little movie, and, and by the way, we are excluding Suspiria from this list because yeah, as you'll learn on this episode, we love, 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 love that movie. So it's a little too yeah. obvious to put this in the list. So Suspiria, you know, it is included on the list, but it's not. So I'm gonna kick this bitch off with a number li- five <laughs> with a little movie by the title of uh, Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Now um, see, this is this is what I'm talking about. Uh, a child's movie supposed to be humorous, but it it also scared a lot of kids. It's fucking great. I watched it for the first time several years ago because my that's one of my wife's like favorite movies. It's one of those that she always watched. You know, every Halloween she'd watch that movie. But for much of my life in my conservative upbringing, I didn't celebrate a Halloween's, so I was not aware of this movie. So we yeah. started watching it several years ago, and I was instantly like, oh, yeah, this movie's fucking awesome. Um, yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it is. It's just a really fun, like, it's one of those movies that it's like, yeah, okay, you know, maybe it's not like a damn legitimately, like, incredible life-changing picture or whatever. It's just mm-hmm. really entertaining. It's super, super, super festive and Halloweenish, and um, it just really puts me in the Halloween spirit. Much like how a lot of people, you know, they really reach to get in that Christmas spirit. I'm always trying to find myself that Halloween spirit, and this is one of those movies that really gets me into it. It's just fun and easy yeah. watch. It's short, um, lots of bright colors and cool. Uh, scenes and settings some funny stuff in there too very quotable as well so hocus pocus that's my jam speaking of jams uh <laughs> the director of the movie that i selected for number four uh-huh. is is james wan oh wait no it's james james Wan. <laughs> the conjuring that's such a great um, transition dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, I last week you were doing such good transitions. I was like, I gotta write some up. So you took some notes, didn't you? I did. I did. Um, Clearly, it's I actually, off. I, I, between the Conjuring and Drag Me to Hell, I was, I was going between the those two for this slot, and I think uh, looking back, Drag Me to Hell is great. Still has great points but is also a little bit more comical and the conjuring actually uh is um i really like i i don't necessarily like the idea that's based on a true story that's kind of lame to me but I, I actually do really like the way that the tension builds throughout that movie and it is one of the few movies in recent years to get an audible scream out of me it Damn. is a yeah, it is a jump scare, but it was very effective. Like it was not, um, it was not overplayed. That's oftentimes the problem with a jump scare is that like it's overplayed, like it's going to be this big thing, and then it's this small thing. Well, this, uh, the tension just built, and then you know suddenly this great sort of jump scare. Um, really I've actually never it. seen that one, man. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, a lot of witchcraft going on there. Um, I like that. And some some seancing. That's always fun. Oh, they're up they're up there seancing your ass. <laughs> uh, what's number three, Ben? Well, I would say that number three, in my book, would be a little little talky picture based on a book, based on a true story, by a little author named 
Just Kidding Rowling, J.K. Rowling. Yeah, just by name, kidding. Uh-huh. By the name of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, part one in the Harry Potter series, which I love dearly. It's 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 legitimately not even remotely the best movie in the series. Um, no. But I'm a real sucker for an origin story. And I, yeah. love, I think that that movie really the most accurately captures the sense of wonderment and magic. You know what I mean? Because there's so much time in the first of the movie that's kind of, oh, in the, down in the doldrums in the real world. And then whenever it actually gets to, <laughs> to magical stuff and, you know, flying on brooms and yada, yada, it just seems so downright magical. Um, so that's why I would choose it. I've seen it a blue fucking billion times. Uh Really, really, really enjoy it. Of course, you know, well, that one actually follows the book pretty well. Um, it's more of a visual companion to the book, I would say. All right. Well, I mean, I can't disagree with you because you uh, uh, as as I said before we started, I also had a Harry Potter on uh, my list. <laughs> but uh, we decided to, to stretch, uh, scratch that, not do two Harry Potter movies. And so... My next one, number two, I would say, is Ken Russell's The Devils. Oh, my God. Yeah. This was recently recommended to me by you. and It was recently recommended to me by Jesse from the Say You Love Satan podcast, my favorite horror movie podcast. Shout out. Shout out. He he told me about that flick, and he's like, you should really watch that movie. And uh, I sat down to watch it, and I was fucking stunned, man. Holy fucking shit why doesn't yeah. everybody know about mm. this movie yeah now this is not a movie that actually contains witchcraft no that's but it is a movie it yeah it is a movie that is absolutely about uh witch trials and the idea of what witchcraft is um i think uh much like our our next installment our number one installment uh that we both easily agreed on oh yeah uh it it shows it gets into the culture and the um the the fear that uh witchcraft really uh creates in people the idea of witchcraft sure. really creates in people especially people who are in power or who are uh Male. It's probably the best way to say it. Yeah. It's much ado about nothing. Yeah, for sure. I really highly recommend you guys watch that movie. If you have Shudder, you can watch it on Shudder as yep. of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's mind-blowing. It's extremely, extremely visually interesting. Um, the soundtrack yes. work is amazing. It's, God damn, it's just such a beautiful movie. Very controversial, apparently, at the time. It was uh, banned in a lot of countries. I would say there's... It was out of print for a long there's, time. There's still some pretty good uh, reason to say it's controversial. Uh, it's extremely sacrilegious. Extremely, yeah. dude. That that scene of the dude yeah. coming down off the cross. <laughs> I was like, holy yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fucking awesome, though. Yeah, that's a great that's uh, a great choice, man. That's a great choice. And so our consensus number one is Practical Magic with Sandra Bullock. <laughs> Wait a second. Hold on. <laughs> Something went wrong here. She, no. the, the real winner is um Moonlight. <laughs> oh right. Yeah. That's it. That's it. 
Oh man. Okay. I'll 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 be real though. Practical Magic ain't bad. Practical Magic ain't a bad watch. Oh, hey. And Moonlight's good. So, <laughs> I mean, it's not a not in no witchcraft involved at all. <laughs> maybe behind the, like maybe that's what's like really driving the story, but I don't think so. Um our actual number 1 is The Witch. The Witch, which came out what? 2015. 2016 i believe yeah Man, it's um that movie blew my hair back i fucking yeah love that movie yeah and uh future past ben and steve have already covered it well i, I believe <laughs> uh future future ben and steve will probably have to cover it again <laughs> but uh, which is fine uh, by me i'll watch it and talk yeah about absolutely it as, much as i can not a problem that movie is amazing so great it's and definitely in it, my top three of the post-millennial horror movies yeah. without a doubt yeah i wouldn't even say that it's reactive uh to put it at number one considering that it's it hasn't been around as long as uh, a lot of other witch movies because seriously watching it 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 goes to a level that witch movies have never really gone to so that's true it's amazing absolutely fucking awesome so yeah so those are our those are our top picks right there maybe you guys have uh, seen some of those maybe you haven't hopefully if you haven't seen them you'll go and check those out yourselves now like i said like suspiria would absolutely be on that list but that's a movie that we're covering oh easily today, so it seems like that would be kind of a silly thing to put on there um as i said i watched suspiria for the first time a couple months ago it was the second dario argento film that i've ever seen uh behind Phenomena, which is our flagship uh, episode that we've put up here. I loved, I loved Phenomena. I'd always heard about Dario Argento, but I'd never seen any of his flicks. But after I watched Phenomena, I was like, oh, I'm totally, I'm totally on board with this guy. So going into Suspiria, I was really excited. I kind of had a lot of hype about it because I'd had some friends that had seen it um, that had told me about how cool it was. And they're like, ah. It doesn't really make a lot of sense and stuff, but it's really pretty is what some of my friends have told me. So I went into it kind of optimistic. I really expected to enjoy it, and it did not let me down. I really, really love this movie, man. It's fucking incredible. And I would argue that it does make sense. So I know. It really does. Like yeah. I don't, it, Here's the thing about this movie. It is... Um, Plot-wise, it is extremely, extremely simple. It is basically mm-hmm. about Susie Banyan, who is a American that goes to study at a European ballet school. Mm-hmm. And, in Freiburg. Yeah, and discovers herself among a, um, a kind of a secret conspiracy of a coven of witches and goes about uncovering mm-hmm. it as her friends and stuff are getting murdered and stuff in the process. It's a really simple storyline, and something about it that I thought was really interesting. I was listening to another another horror podcast um, called Scream Addicts, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Have you ever listened to that? I haven't. It's a really cool show. It's this, it's this guy that gets like people who have worked in the movie industry or writers of other movies and stuff like this. He just has them on the show, and they talk about one of their favorite horror flicks. It's really good. Um, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, but he had an episode about Suspiria with who was it that was on there i can't remember whose guest was but they were talking about that flick and uh they had some really cool observations about it and one of the ones that i thought was really interesting was that the the simplicity of the storyline you know girl goes to ballet school discovers she's yeah. a, a coven of witches 
um, and very many other elements of the story are very, very similar to almost like an old European folk tale, like a Grimm's Brothers tale, you know, like a Grimm yeah. Brothers kind of story. Like it's it's so simple that it's very much like those old sort of tales. Yeah, this, I mean, uh, this is most like uh, directly um inspired by thomas de quincey's uh suspiria de profundus there's a particular section that dario argento was sort of building on by creating um this what ends up being a trilogy now after 2007 the three mothers trilogy right his uh starts with suspiria and then in 1980 he did inferno and then in 2007 he he uh sort of uh finish the trilogy with the mother of tears have you seen um, inferno i have not seen inferno no it is fucking it is... so sick we got to cover it on the show sometime it's so <laughs> rad you'll you'll love it i'm 100 with it because uh argento he's 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 got me i mean like i'm, I'm on the hook like totally. when i see i see uh his weird choices and the strange things he does i, I really enjoy it so much but this is also uh, strongly influenced by M.C. Escher. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, the, there are two different Escher-inspired uh, uh, wallpapers. One is in the first apartment building that we see. Yeah, out, it's, got, it's got that uh, crazy geometric kind of pattern on it, doesn't it? Yeah, the, the tessellations with the figure ground ambiguity. Whoa. This, this is... This is a real important uh, theme throughout this movie is this this ambiguity of figure and ground. And the m primary one is Susie Banyan and uh, her um, roommate. Uh, well, not roommate, but her room neighbor, I guess, who right. actually seems to be our protagonist for the yeah. longest time. Yeah. Susie is asleep for most of this movie but actually <laughs> what we're seeing is yeah we're actually seeing just uh there's this uh ambiguity between like because they come together to sort of form the hero's journey yeah and there's this sort of ambiguity between like who is the heroine and and who is is um you know who who is the friend who dies early i mean because she is the friend who the the french girl is the friend who dies early but she's the one who puts all the work in like yeah, it's true she, she does all the hero stuff and then Susie gets the the glory i guess at the end she's the one who spikes um, the ball yeah um and another major influence on this movie is the score of this movie which was actually yeah. created before the film was shot. I remember reading that. Yeah, that Goblin yeah. Like composed the score and that, that uh, Argento kind of shot the movie around it, which, man, yeah. it, it, it's such a cool move. This movie is such a feast for the eyes and the ears. Like, it is visually so huge, and it is, uh, soundtrack-wise, so huge that it's almost it's almost overwhelming some of those moments in the movie where you have such a profoundly strong just fascinating visual and then you've got goblin score backing it up 
it's it's almost overwhelming just to, to be taking in so much at the same time it's incredible that's exactly that's exactly what they go for too that i it, it's uh this the opening of this uh when she's basically she's walking through the airport she's arrived at freiburg and as she's walking through the airport it's just sort of uh ambient sounds you know people walking etc like uh the announcer over the pa but yeah. then as the doors open to this world she's about to step into the goblin soundtrack yes. just like blasts and I there's wind it. blowing and it's crazy so it's like she's going from this tame world into this wild unbridled world um which it's, is it's, it's you know, almost, that's, it's, that it's again to kind of go back to the folktale kind of element it's almost like she is it's like you know you're not in america anymore welcome to europe like welcome to how fucking weird yeah this is gonna get I love we're it. gonna put mayonnaise on shit that you don't put mayonnaise on <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, um, not that. yeah so that that actually is is a major element throughout this movie is that the, that soundtrack that that uh that score it it is like dissonant and like there's so much going on in it like so many layers and like growls and like really creepy keyboards and like it, it comes on at the moments when the i guess there's a lot of like tension building mm-hmm. it really makes that tension work it's like a character in the movie itself. It's the kind of thing where you wonder if the characters mm-hmm. in the movie are hearing it as you're hearing it too. Did did you know that would be awesome <laughs> in that opening scene too, where she arrives at the airport, like she whenever those doors open, the wind like blows her back, and then like that yeah. first that first taxi that she tries to help passes her by. It's almost like fate is yeah, trying to keep her a, a from being there. Her it's like go back, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's raining, and uh, she asks the taxi driver how long it's been raining, and he says 30 minutes, which you have to assume was about the time she landed. You know, this was back in the day before it, it there was a whole ordeal getting on and off of planes. Like, uh, So she probably landed, and it started raining. It started, the wind started blowing. Yeah, it's, it's almost as if everything's trying to keep her away, and she gets to the, the dance academy, and... Uh, she's turned away like she sees a girl running out and the girl is obviously distressed but the girl just runs away and then she goes to the door and she's like hey it's me Susie and um what is the French girl's name I feel terrible I cannot remember her name yeah same here we need to get fucking Bill Gates Jr. on there Sarah is that what it is yeah I listen he's standing right next to me at all times now because I just got I got tired of having to find him this Bill Gates Jr. Now, does, has he delivered you a fresh whiskey into your hands? You know what, Bill Gates Jr.? Get on it. Jeez, man. Like, what do we even pay these fucking interns for? You're going to call your father? I'll call your father. How about that? All right. Yeah. Yeah, no, cl- clean this shit up before you get back. Yeah, he just shit his pants. Does he even have himself a fresh, fantastic Sam's Cut going on right now, or is it looking ragged? Uh, it's a good bowl cut. It's a good bowl cut. It looks right. good. <laughs> at least he's got that. At least he's using the, the fucking money that we pay him for something. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sarah, Susie gets to the door. She says, I'm Susie Banyan. I'm supposed to get you here. And Sarah's voice, I mean, we don't learn this until later, but it's Sarah's voice, and she says, go away. 
So yeah, you're right. Like everything is saying, like get the hell out yeah, of here, Susie. It's, it's go back. It's like do not come here. Go back, mm. American woman. But then we we cut to from her. She gets back in the taxi and basically drives off. And we see uh, the girl who was running out of the dance academy. She's running through the woods. She's obviously running from something. Um, and she gets to an apartment building goes in and apparently her friend lives there. Now this apartment building is insane looking. Now that like, you mention it, it is completely an MC Escher designed apartment. It's fucking yes, crazy. And it's already crazy. Like, man, already in the movie, you've just been hit by this barrage of bizarre, unnatural lighting. Like even while she was riding uh-huh. in the taxi, it was like, yeah. let's have hot pink light in the car. <laughs> it's like, yeah. In what world is that normal? We get a lot of hot pink, a lot of uh, deep red, green, blue. But yeah, it's always unnatural sort of light, uh, except for the day shots. The cool thing about the lighting in the in the movie, too, that I learned recently is that whereas typically whenever you see that sort of lighting, it's just basically like a gel placed in front of a regular, you know, stage light. Like yeah. Just like a you know, clear colored piece of plastic in front of it um, to give it that sort of light. Apparently, they were very insistent on not doing it that way with this movie. And a lot of the lighting mm-hmm. in this flick was they would basically point a colored light at a mirror and then bounce the mirrored light back onto the actors and actresses. Which had a completely wow. different effect than yeah than just having like a gel in front of the light. It's yeah, it's so wild, man. The lighting in this movie is is a character unto itself. So the girl who was running from the dance hall, she gets to her friend's apartment, and uh, her friend's like, "Yeah, you can stay here on my couch." And of course, I mean, if you haven't seen an Argento movie, you should know that every all the actors just speak whatever language they speak and they just dub it into whatever language it's being shown in <laughs> so that's a that's a little disorienting maybe if at first watch but i'm just on board with it now i don't care it's cool yeah yeah it, i'm fine with it and the so the the girl who's scared she goes into the bathroom and the windows blow open and uh so she she's very afraid something is chasing her and so the the friend closes the the windows and she's like you're too jumpy or whatever and she's just chilling in the bathroom like you do like you do Uh, they call it a bathroom i didn't see a toilet or a shower but it's european Uh, man they don't have that stuff Anyway, she finally, eventually, she goes to the window and she sees these green eyes, this glowing green eyes, so and cool. this arm reaches in through the one window that is covered in white hair and has these long black fingernails. Yeah, and it just grabs her by the back of the head and pumpkin heads her through the window. <laughs> she gets pumpkin headed hard. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the arm was played by George the Animal Steel. Yes, because <laughs> it was so hairy. <laughs> also, he, also there were remnants of a, of, a, of a turnbuckle in between his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> that might explain the green eyes, too. Yeah. <laughs> she gets her head smashed through the window. This kill scene is so just horrifically gruesome and it comes in so hot right at the first of the movie because she gets dragged off and oh my god dude like she gets stabbed in the heart yeah there's a there's a very like 
close up, like open rib cage, heart exposed, stab to the heart. That is brutal. Just absolutely brutal. Um, the, the killer puts a noose around her neck and she falls through this, uh, very brightly colored, um, stained glass window. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it looks like a kaleidoscope when she falls through, like when it the glass does. is falling, it looks like, and all the bright yeah. colors and sharp angles. It looks just like you're looking through a kaleidoscope. And the, the girl that she came to see was, you know, trying to save her, et cetera. She's now down in the lobby below this, this huge, um, window. And so the, the girl who was being chased is now, she's been stabbed several times. She is hung, um, blood dripping everywhere. And the glass has, uh, impaled the friend in several different places and killed her. Uh, really great special effects uh because there's one of the pieces of glass is going like diagonally through her face yeah it looks great it really enjoyed it that's the classic argento move the killer that's sort of hidden in darkness and all you see is like hands or eyes or Mm -hmm. that's just kind of his bag is to sort of have this unseen killer going on that you'll see that in so many of his movies yeah yeah, it's a, there's always the element of mystery in giallo films. Uh, the idea that there's a there's something to be solved, and right. we saw that in Phenomena. We see that here too, mm-hmm. and there's often, uh, as we saw in Phenomena and in this, it's usually the protagonist is a an American female, a, a brunette American female who's very pretty. Yeah. So and you know, hey, uh, way to go! I enjoy pretty brunette females. So. I like things that are nice. This is sort of our our like opening to what all's going on. Now we get the scenes where it sort of sets up what's going on at this uh, school. Yeah. You know, some of it's kind of just exposition, but we meet the uh, I guess the headmistress. She is. Uh, an older ballerina she just I, I i didn't really look up this actress's imdb but uh, she did have a lot of credits so yeah. she she was an actress who'd been around for a long time uh and then there's also the uh frau who has the biggest shiniest teeth i've ever seen in my life she got them great big old horse teeth uh-huh and she is very german um I'd like to see her and Sarah Jessica Parker have a bite off and just <laughs> bite to the death. <laughs> I heard that's how Sarah Jessica Parker got her start in movies. And then the referee yeah. is and- Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Gary Busey's teeth. Jesus, run everybody. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, she kind of gets to know the people at the school, and and she gets kind of set up with a roommate and stuff. She doesn't want a roommate, but mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot of kind of talk about about wealth, about like money, and like yes. oh, I'll sell you these these ballet shoes and all this stuff. Yeah, sort of this theme of like monetary greed that's sort of set up. Yeah, and the that in is school. yeah that is associated with witches. I remember uh, the first time we recorded, we were pretty confused by that. I looked it up. 
greed can be is is sometimes associated with witches. Um, mm. So that's what they're getting at there. Um, and she she's come to stay at the school, but they actually don't have her room ready. So she goes to stay with this girl who, um, she <laughs> she really these girls in this school really. Uh, give the girls in Phenomena a run for their money in uh, <laughs> really shitty insults. We worship you. We worship you. Yeah. Uh, she says to Sarah and Susie, you know, people with S names are snakes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? All right. That's you got it. Ice. Yeah. Ooh. Um, <laughs> But yeah, she goes to stay with this uh, girl, and uh, the girl is talking about money a whole lot. And Susie is sort of, she's presented as though she might not understand what's going on. But if, if we pay attention, uh, she doesn't want, because the next day she goes to the school and they say, hey, we have your room ready for you. And she's like, no, I actually want to stay with this girl. Like, she doesn't seem to have a problem with how weird this chick is about money and, and all this other stuff. So yeah, she's kind of rolling with um, the punches. Yeah, it makes me think that if right here Susie had stayed with that girl, would she have just ended up as a part of the coven of witches? I don't know. Like I don't know, man. That's good. That's a good. That's a good point. Would she have just been like, yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> like I'm cool with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> and we meet the the piano instructor there too, who's this blind guy. Uh, well, he's not the piano instructor. He plays piano while the girls do their ballet dancing and stuff, right? Yeah. And it's not too soon after that. Well, of course, he has like a uh, like a seeing eye dog and stuff. And mm -hmm. it's not too yeah. long after that that he gets into a big fight with... Is it the Frau that he gets into a big argument with? Yeah, his dog bit the Victorian ghost child that oh. is the... I, I think he's like a nephew of the headmistress. Why does he and, exist? Uh, does he exist? I don't know. I, he, I don't know. He, he's so creepy. Anyway, uh, the dog bites that kid, and so the the Frau goes fucking um, uh, Hitler style on the blind guy, and she's like, she like throws his shit like away from him. Oh, which seems like that's not that's not too cruel, but he's blind. He didn't hear where it landed. Bless him. <laughs> like she's being cruel, and she's mad at him for having a seeing eye dog. Like she's she's terrible. She a bitch. She is not a nice person. And I love that. Like he goes and hangs out in this in like the the greatest German bar of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're doing this weird like fake slap play fight dance oh, that then the turns into then turns into the two men like slow dancing together <laughs> um which i okay like germany great, is a I, silly place yes it is um so the blind guy he he leaves i'm sorry to keep calling him the blind guy i don't i just sincerely i think it was james was his name but i'm not positive yeah um he he leaves the bar it's sort of late and he's walking with his dog and if you notice, as he's walking, uh, the people he walks by are all, like, looking at him. Oh, really? Which I thought was interesting. I, I didn't know if that was just like, oh, he's he's blind, let's stare at him, or if it's, like, some indication, because... A conspiracy afoot. 
yeah, he walks into this huge courtyard and we keep getting different perspectives from different buildings that it's make so it seem cool. like, okay, they're, uh, yeah, they're eyes all on him. Right. And I love those shots. That square that he's in and all the buildings around him just seem to absolutely dwarf him. Like he looks like an ant standing yeah. in the middle of that square. Yeah. And it, it, the tension builds for a, a while yeah, with this. Yeah. Like because he's he, standing there just exposed, just him and the dog like uh -huh. exposed in the middle of the square. There's nobody around, and you're just you're like, oh, he's a blind guy. Like some some guy's gonna like sneak up on him and and kill him or something like that. You're just kind of waiting and waiting no. and waiting. Yeah. What happens though is if you pay attention to the dog, the dog is very clearly watching something. Like if yeah. you follow his eyes, like he's very clearly watching something, and then suddenly lunges at the throat of James, the the blind pianist. And off off with his head, basically. Like, he's dead. Kills the fuck out of him. It's so brutal, man. That's that's an awesome kill. It's, like, not what you're expecting. Um, no. Very, very, very cool to see. Graphic. It's awesome. Yeah, and um, also what happened uh, at school, basically, uh, the day before that is that Susie was feeling ill because she walked down a hallway where Victorian Ghost Boy and uh, uh, Russian Cook Lady were sitting, and Russian Cook Lady put some sort of like voodoo on her. There's like that weird like glint or something like that, and then she like got she got a case of the vapors. Yeah, so she's she's uh, feeling sick, and so she faints and and she's bleeding from her nose, and then it, it cuts to her in the bed, and. I love this. This is amazing to me that the this movie has three instances of the most insane ideas of expertise I've ever heard of, <laughs> and two of them are in this scene. Yeah. The first one is the Frau is giving uh, Susie water, and she says, any fluids you intake instantly turn into blood. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty okay. sure that's how that works. Not true at all. <laughs> and then uh, the doctor prescribes her a certain diet and includes red wine. And he says, red wine will help build your blood. It's not, this is not, a th guys, it, liquid and red aren't what make blood. <laughs> sure it is. What are you talking about? <laughs> Though this movie does seem to posit that. If that's the case, they should have prescribed her Hawaiian punch. <laughs> I'm going to, listen, Ben, I'm just going to go ahead and I think I'm going to fire Bill Gates Jr. Because he finally handed me this note that said the blind guy's name is Daniel. Daniel, whatever. Mm -hmm. Bill Take Gates your Jr. time, Bill Gates Jr. Jesus. I've, I've always really cut. wondered why the Hawaiian punch guy was so pale. I think if he was in Hawaii, yeah. he'd be getting him a sunburn. Well, you know, he obviously was ginger because he had that red hair. Maybe he stayed out of the sun completely. He moved to Hawaii, but just stays in his basement. I thought he looked like uh, like Dr. Moreau or something. <laughs> <laughs> he did look like Dr. Moreau or something. Maybe that. Maybe uh, the fruit punch is one of his chimera hybrid amalgamations of <laughs> in a liquid form <laughs> yeah so the the first night that she's like on that diet uh she's she sits down to comb her hair and maggots start falling from the ceiling she, and there's yeah, i forgot about that yeah ooh. yeah this is 
I mean, just like Phenomena, tons of maggots. Yeah. So many maggots so in this many. scene. It's Argento really gross. Is like, we needed the most maggots. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> time to make it a pizza. Uh huh. That's that's what he says before he starts making a movie. Yeah. Time to make it a pizza. Time he goes home and he's pizza. like, oh, "Mama, I made it a pizza," and she's like, "You fool! This is not a pizza. This is a movie." Uh. <laughs> um, so Frau, Frau inspects and it's like because all this yeah. I guess food that they had been storing yeah up a in bunch the of attic? food spoiled yeah why is like you some do that I and there's like some exposition given that they got the food like two days ago from an unreliable supplier and it's like come on guys we don't need all this just the food spoiled that's fine yeah um and they decide that the girls can't sleep in the dorms. They need to sleep. Yeah, because of all the maggots. Yeah, um, they need to sleep in one of the big downstairs auditoriums or something. Yeah, so they're like sleeping in in like a, a dance room or something, and suddenly uh, a shadow behind the curtains appears and then lays down in a bed behind the curtains and starts snoring. She got um, that apnea. She got that apnea, yo. She need her that CPAP. <laughs> Hashtag. I can't breathe when I sleep. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Uh, anyway, so she she snores and Sarah uh tells Susie the story that basically one night uh you know earlier in the semester or something uh she was alone and the directress showed up. Uh the directress of this this Academy. school showed up and she uh, slept in a bed near her and she snored just like that so she says so the teachers are lying to us and stuff and the direct directress they said was not there is actually there that shot's cool too everything is like bizarrely red, red. like everything yeah. is so fucking red and the silhouettes are all black yeah. and stuff it's really yeah neat. the silhouettes uh the silhouettes of the directress uh are really interesting especially later when we see them Sure. They kind of like shimmer and move and stuff. It's really cool. But so this starts Sarah telling um, Susie all about the conspiracy that she and her former roommate had discovered that basically the dance academy is a coven of witches. Witches. Yeah. And she enlists Susie's help, uh, sort of. Basically, she tells Susie about it. And then every time she wants to do something about it, Susie is drugged because they are drugging her wine. Yeah. And it's interesting, too. Like, I wonder why they're targeting specifically her. I mean, what is it about her that they are, are after to try to suppress or stop as opposed to the other girls that are at the academy? Yeah, that is weird. It's a very strange... Like, uh, I mean, it's possible that... Because she does say when she first meets the headmistress that... Uh, she has uh, an aunt who was a ballerina or something, mm -hmm. and uh, basically the direct uh, the headmistress says something about her having a lot of money. So maybe they want to keep her around to keep money coming into the school. So they're just going to keep her drugged. And maybe it's the connection too, where like if they can make her into one of the witches, you know, with her being an American, maybe they see that as a way that they can expand their empire. And make mm. it over to the states, you know? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they obviously have some...
plan for her, but we never find out what it is. And at this point, I mean, she really is, gosh, it's hard to put into words. She doesn't do anything. <laughs> Basically, Sarah conveys all of the information and all of the stuff that, that she has learned to Susie, and then Sarah is killed. Yep. Like... She gets murdered the uh, fuck up. If you pay attention, the the geometry of of the kills don't make sense. Cause like you'll see them running and then suddenly they're like uh somewhere else, but like going a different direction. It's almost and, like, like especially it's with it's very dreamy, isn't it? Yes. It's so it reminds me so much of Nightmare on Elm Street. Though I would right. guess Nightmare on Elm Street is is playing off of this. But <laughs> especially when Sarah is being chased it's it's like insane like how she ends up different places it's almost like uh it's almost like the the halls and and doors and things don't connect in a way that makes any sense yeah um which is or you know is in relation to MC Escher's relativity or crazy stairs as people often know it <laughs> that's more fun to say let's be honest yeah but um, there's also the problem with Sarah's death that she lands in this big pile of metal rings that are supposed to, I think, represent barbed wire. But it kind of looks like don't. razor. It kind of looks like razor wire. Like, like yeah, maybe razor sort of wire. Has yeah. A room where they store yeah. all of their razor wire in a huge pit because a ballet studio needs to have an ample yeah. supply of razor wire available at all mm -hmm. times to keep the ballerinas in check. <laughs> You got listen. If you got a ballerina who's getting too uppity, just whip out the razor wire. They all know what it means. They respond well to that. It's a brutal kill, man. It's awesome. It really is. She gets uh, she's she's struggling for a long time in this razor wire, and then she gets her her neck her throat sliced, um, by a hand that, if if you pay attention, it's. It's a black gloved woman's hand. Classic. Like it's, it's classic Argento. Very. Yeah, it's very definitely a woman's hand, which means that the kill that happened in the beginning, the the kill of Daniel, the the piano player, and, and this kill have all been performed by three different entities. Right. Um, but as we'll discover, they're all be they're all being, um used by the same power and that is the power of the directress of the dance academy who is helena marcos helena marcos the black queen yes she um we get we get a lot of her backstory when uh susie goes to see sarah's professor friend at what looks like a boring academic mixer. The Institute. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's just a little scene out there where they're sort of talking. Uh, she's talking to that guy. He's like, oh, I'd like to introduce you to this guy who wrote a book about witchcraft. And uh, yeah. they just kind of stand there and talk a little bit. And that, that's where he gives you a little bit of the background that, you know, the witch's primary obsession is, is wealth and expanding their power and yada yada. And he talks a little bit about Helena Marcos. Uh, she was the the black queen head of a coven and stuff and she um founded the dance academy right yeah 
And is that when, like, Susie's in the school and, like, everybody everybody leaves? Like, basically, everybody goes on a trip that she wasn't really invited on or something, right? Yeah, everybody's kind of gone, and she's she's in her room, and then there's the bat scene, which we can't ignore. Okay, why uh, is this in the movie? Okay, so there are know. very few things about this movie that I would change, but why? Why this? Like, there's a scene where she, yeah, she's in a room, and, like, a bat flies in, and she is basically like, well, fuck this bat, and she throws a towel over it and, like, stomps it and kills it. Yeah, um, and the bat, it doesn't look good. I mean, shot. it looks yeah. fine, but when it's flying, it, it just doesn't look natural. It looks very fake. It's a good old bat on a string routine. <laughs> That's the one. And it's but, like, maybe if they had shown us or given us some kind of indication that, you know, I don't know, that, you know, a witch, like a like a vampire or something, can, like, turn into a bat and shapeshift and stuff. Maybe if we had the impression that, yeah, she was thinking that was something that was pursuing her, and she's like, oh, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. But otherwise, I don't yeah, know maybe, why this is in the movie. Yeah, I I think maybe it's just they wanted to... They had a bat, and they were like, Fuck Let's this use it. bat. I mean... Fuck this bat. <laughs> um, but yeah, she she finds the, the last note that Sarah had left of of this whole conspiracy and that note was she had counted the steps that she heard the teachers taking late at night um and so Susie can follow those steps and and find out what the, what it is they're doing right yeah it's like count how many steps they're walking and what direction mm-hmm. stuff and you'll find whatever secret office or whatever it is that these people are going to and she she gets into the uh, headmistress's office, and that's where there is a, a very definite homage to M.C. Escher's uh, relativity on the wall. Yeah. But there are also these irises painted, and that's when Susie re- can can remember more clearly what it was she heard the girl who ran away from the building on the first night saying. Right. And that was a secret door behind the blue iris or something like that. Right. So she's and like, so oh, she, thought bubble. And she, she looks and she finds basically kind of like a secret switch behind one of the irises that opens up a doorway, right? Yeah. And she walks into a hall that's just covered in words of various languages. I thought that was really um, fascinating. There's like, there's very obviously some, some yeah. of the text that is um, uh, like a Hebrew there's some of it that almost is yeah, hieroglyphic saw, looking. There's like Greek looking letters, lettering uh-huh. and stuff. It's very interesting to see. It's just a big yeah. mishmash of different cultures. Yeah, it's all over the place. And she hears uh, they're having a, a a meeting, and the headmistress is sitting on like this sort of throne, and she's saying that we have to we have to kill the American. And and if she, you watch, she's also taking some, like a black communion, basically. Yeah, they're doing like the black the black sacrament. Yeah, um, so she she's hiding, and I guess the little Victorian ghost boy hears her, and he tells. I think that's Donald Trump Jr. Jr. Isn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> Donald Trump Jr. Jr. Yeah, yeah, Donald Trump the third would be how most people would say it, but I think they go with Jr. Jr. It has a better <laughs> ring to it. It does. Um, he he sends uh, Petros, 
I yeah. believe is the guy's name. Who's kind of the who ogre, is a Romanian and servant guy. Yeah, he's a real big guy. Um, and he he like goes to look for her, and she ducks into a room, and in that room is Sarah, who has been mutilated and has needles sticking through her eyes. That's it's, fucking uh, fucked up, man. Um, yeah. It's it's a real cool effect. I really liked it. Yeah. Um, and she's and like then, got slashes all over her body and face, and she's just real fucked up, real good and fucked up. Yeah, that razor wire really uh, did a number on her, and so ECW, um, ECW. <laughs> yeah, she does look a little like Cactus Jack. I should mention. <laughs> um, so the the servant guy comes. In and and she ducks into another door and in this room, she sees she hears the snoring of the directress, and you She's can sleeping. see there's like, yeah, there's like a bed canopy and her shadow behind there is like shimmery. I'm not sure how they did it. If they just maybe had a fan sort of blowing the the curtain or something, it's but really it sort cool. of shimmers a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and um, she knocks over that like peacock statue. Yeah, she. And she picked, uh, I guess the peacock statue was made of knives. It was fully she armed. Picks up, yeah, she picks up one of the the, the quills, feathers, the yeah. plumage, yeah, or quills, yeah. And she she goes over towards the bed and uh, she opens the bed and there's nothing there. But we then hear Helena Marcos saying, you want to kill Helena Marcos? And she basically is like taunting her. And then she... I think it's pretty uh, gangster that she talks about herself in the third person. Yeah, yeah. She's about as gangster as Bob Dole. <laughs> um, so Helena Marcos, she says something about the living dead, and then we hear this growling coming from the door, and these fingers like come through the, the side of the door, and then it opens, and it's Sarah... With the you know the needles through the eyes and she has a knife. It's like zombie and she's Sarah. making. Yeah, she's zombie Sarah and she's making these like ungodly noises and you know she starts to go for her. You do not and expect then, to see that in the movie. That's for fucking sure. Whenever that happened, no. I was like, "What the fuck is going yeah. on here?" Yeah, just like with phenomena, just like like it's it's this like we're eight minutes from the end of the movie at yeah. this point. When shit turns and, loose, and it, suddenly it turns this loose. happens. Yeah. yeah. And so Susie, I guess, instead of uh, uh, fighting off the zombie, wisely turns to the bed to try to kill Helena Marcos, and she sees this sort of shimmery outline. Yeah. And just stabs at it. And when she stabs it, uh, Sarah sort of shimmers out of existence, and then Helena Marcos comes into existence, and she is like... Old, like her skin is like the makeup they put on her is just like ancient, like a mummy almost. Insane she's, looking. She needs some lotion. She needs some coconut oil. <laughs> a royal she jelly, needs perhaps. To get some of that cocoa butter. <laughs> my my cocoa butter. <laughs> here's here's some cool trivia. So, um, apparently. Dario Argento found in order to play the grizzled 
uh, hag, Helena Marcos, he found uh-huh. a 90-year-old prostitute on the streets. And wow. That is that is Helena Marcos. It's a 90-year-old prostitute. <laughs> um, Helena Marcos is... It seems to me based off of there is um, a woman by the name of Enriqueta Marti who was around the turn of the 20th century. She was a, uh, I guess you would say, a procurer of children for rich people to fuck in Barcelona, Spain. She also was a witch in the legitimate sense, not that she could perform actual you know, uh, magic, but that she made potions using the fat of dead children that she had killed when they became liabilities. And she sold those potions again to rich people. She is, Uh, she definitely was in Slytherin. Yeah. Oh, she, listen, there's not a wizard that went bad. That wasn't from Slytherin. (laughs) Okay. So, and she, uh, she stabs her with the peacock, the peacock quill. And she kind of, screams and uh sort of vanishes and writhes yeah and then the the house starts to shake violently catches um, on fire there's fire coming from somebody. yeah she left Su- the stove on yeah as Susie goes running out and she sees like all the witches in in the room they were in before but now they're choking and some of them are bleeding and stuff through their nose and mouth uh and she she <laughs> She walks out, and seriously, she cool guys this. Like, she just walks away from a burning, exploding building, doesn't look back. She's smiling. Like, there's this real great shot of her just like, she's like, yeah, I did it. And then it cuts to a picture of the sign on the outside of the building, and you just hear you hear screams coming from inside. <laughs> and the, the credits roll... And the screams keep going. Yeah, dude. I, it would have been uh, a perfect time for the screen to go black and white and for like the Thug Life icon to come down. Yeah. It, it would have been perfect. Now, here's my one major theory, because my, my biggest quibble with this movie is that the hero's journey is so odd. Yeah. Um, here is... I think what makes this make sense, other than just thinking of the figure ground uh, relationship with her and, and Sarah, it it may be in some ways a giallo parody. Hmm. In some ways, Argento may be saying we have these American girls show up in these very complicated situations. They find an easy answer and then they just leave. They win. but like there's horror and wreckage left behind. Yeah. So, like, it it could be in some ways he's he's doing a bit of parody of Giallo itself, though. I mean, Giallo in in its essence has a lot of parody already built in. So, uh, there's a there's a lot going on here. I don't think it's an accident that Susie is basically drugged most of this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that it's it's a conscious decision that that's meant to make a, a really interesting point about Giallo, but also 
that that plays off of that Escher figure ground relationship. So Do you think the fact that she's drugged is to make it make more sense to us that the world that Susie inhabits looks so fucked up and surreal and vivid? Huh. Cause well, I mean, yeah, I guess that would make that would make sense if if we then think that maybe that was also happening to the roommate from the beginning who's running from the building because oh, then right. she goes in she goes into that apartment building that is just insane fuck yeah yeah um so yeah maybe yeah maybe the drugs uh weren't just to keep them docile but also caused hallucinations yeah like warp their reality and stuff yeah it's uh it it is a really cool fucking movie, man. Yeah, I really enjoy this uh, artistically, and I think I think the story does come together in the end too. Yeah, and like I said, it is it is such a simplistic story. It, it is really one of those that, I mean, like I said, you can you can sum it up by just being like, well, you know, American student comes to a ballerina academy in Europe, discovers she's among a coven of witches defeats the witch and leaves like that's that's really it yeah that's all there is to it yeah that's really it um and that actually actually is Susie's story by the way there's nothing that happens in between that is the story for her yeah yeah exactly exactly but but like i said that to me is like so many of those old european folk tales and stuff like that too a lot of those old morality tales are so 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 simple you know even something like snow white or something like that um, is a very simple story. So to me, this is just like such a, such a wonderfully European movie, you know, and, and it's such a wonderfully European story too. Um, it's beautiful. It's ridiculously fucking beautiful, man. I, I can't overstate that enough. Anybody interested in the visual element of filmmaking and cinematography and, and just art in general has to watch this movie it's it's so gorgeous yeah. it's kind of it, i mean it's really really just breathtaking um the colors of the lighting to me are just so fascinating to me like this is one of those movies that anytime i see something that is like kind of you know maybe bordering on surreal or is just abstract and weird um what really fascinates me is you're seeing the direct result of the choices that the artist or the director in this case made in order to make that even yeah. in that even in that taxi cab scene that they shot at at the very first of the movie it just could have been her in a taxi cab but he's like oh wait hang on let's put this pink light on here this hot pink crazy light okay and then like there's that scene where um right before her roommate goes and gets killed the power goes off but the way that he conveys the power being off is to turn the whole screen green. All the lighting is green yes. and black. And then, like, the camera, uh-huh. there's that scene where she's getting out of the room, and the camera, like, floats up to the ceiling. It makes... Yeah, and there's a shot through the through light bulb the, the or something. Light bulb. It's yeah. so weird, man. And that's what really fascinates me is because I just... I like to picture myself, you know, there on that day of shooting in the director's chair... I probably would have just been like, okay, we'll just set the camera down right here so we can see her go through the door. But for some reason, there is a voice in, in Argento's head going, you know what would make more sense? Have the camera float up to the ceiling, looking through the light bulb, and everything's green. That makes sense to me today. Now, 
there is a line we have to address and a fact about Dario Argento we have to get out there. Uh, there is the line where the headmistress says uh, to to Susie when she first gets there that she can stay with this other girl for 50 of her American dollars. Yeah. And this is just one of the many proofs that Dario Argento is an alien. <laughs> Instead of paying in space bucks, you mean? Yeah. Well, he, he realized he was like, don't say clip clops here. <laughs> if I say clip clops, they'll catch on. I'm an alien. What do I say here that uh, that everyone would say? American dollars. Or American dollars. <laughs> That's what is so cool about this movie to me, and and it's one of those things that I would understand if other people didn't like about it. But so many of the lines of dialogue in this movie and the way the characters talk to each other and stuff, it's. It's not even remotely how humans act. It reminds me of no. if an alien just got here and looked around for a day or two and was like, I guess this is how humans interact. I'll make a movie uh, uh, that shows them interacting this way. I guess this is natural, but missing the point entirely. Um, and maybe part of that is because the actors, like you said earlier, are just talking in their native tongue and then they're just dubbed um, for us in English, yeah. maybe that's part of it too. I'm not really sure if there's a lot of things that get lost in translation, but I love, I love in those, those old Argento flicks, how the dialogue doesn't really sound like how humans talk, but it's consistent. So I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. It's hard to explain, but yeah, I, I love it. No, I, I, I think the the simplest way to get across your point is to just quote this one line that the professor says to uh, his friend that he introduces Susie to, Milius. He says, can you tell her something about the mysterious? <laughs> that's totally that's, a nat that's a natural line right there. That 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 is that's like the it's not the most odd line I've heard in an Argento movie, but it is the perfect encapsulation of how many of how the lines can be so strange. Yeah. Like it seems right, but it, it was just translated by somebody who maybe wasn't even a translator. They just happened to speak Italian and English. Yeah. It's like um, it's, it's close but it's not Yeah. Not they were like, well I have it. this dictionary. Um so yeah, the, uh, as far as likes or dislikes with this movie, I mean we've talked about a lot of the the likes. It, the artistically, it's 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 gorgeous. I love the effects. Um, I actually love like the more you get into it and the more like crazy the color schemes get, the more I like the pink blood. Um, yeah, it looks so wrong, but. Yeah, given the atmosphere it, and tonality of this movie, it seems to make sense that it would look that way. I hadn't really thought about the the Escher connections, but now that you're pointing out a lot of them, I mean, most obviously, like in the skylight and stuff like that, that she falls through at the first of the yeah. movie, it's it is really really clear. And and, and even in like the uh, shoot, what is her roommate? The one that says like S's or snake names or whatever. Can't remember oh her yeah, name. I don't remember that girl's in, name. <laughs> in in their apartment that you're in for just like one scene, even the wallpaper of that room is this crazy black and white, like geometric. Yes, madness. Insane. And, and I remember even the first time that we watched it, in a lot of my notes, I had stuff like you know, 
crazy geometric wallpaper and stuff like that written mm-hmm. down so many times um, in my notes. Now that you're mentioning it, yeah, it is very, very, very Escher in a lot of ways. What would you say are, are some dislikes about the movie? Uh, they're the same dislikes you would have with any Giallo movie. Uh, the dubbing, I mean, you get used to it. it at first, though, it can be really irritating. I mean, there's a there's a steep learning curve with Giallo movies. <laughs> like, yeah, it's you kinda, get thrown you into. Yeah, you get thrown into melodrama and over the top effects and blood and uh and and lines that don't make a whole lot of sense. But like once you, once you get to that point where it all sort of that drops away because the artistic and creative merits start to shine through, that sort of goes away. At that point, I would say um, the bat scene could have been eliminated, but everything else is pretty great. I would uh, I would agree with you on a lot of that, man. To me. Yeah, the real strengths of this movie are definitely the audio and visual elements of it. The the storyline and the dialogue and stuff are so simple and so rudimentary. But I don't know. There's sort of this idea in in mixing a record, like in mixing an album, right? That yeah, not everything can be big in terms of the audio quality, Obvious, in terms of how yeah. they sound, like. You can't have a guitar that sounds gigantic and have drums that sound huge and have a bass guitar that sounds huge and have a vocal that sounds huge. Like, if you listen to, like, a Led Zeppelin record, like some of those old Led Zeppelin albums, the drums sound fucking colossal. The bass guitar sounds colossal. Jimmy Page's guitars actually sound really tiny, and also a a lot of the vocal sounds are very thin as well. Because the idea yeah. that the idea is is that if everything is big, nothing sounds big. You can't notice how big something is if everything sounds big. And I don't know if you are. Are you not aware of Death Clock? <laughs> Maximum hugeness all over that stuff, right? Yeah. But I think that this movie kind of takes that same principle where it's like. If the audio was as huge as it is, and the visual was as huge it is as it is, and the storyline was also on a grand, massive scale, it would almost be this kind of sensory overload where you you couldn't really appreciate what your eyes and your ears are going through while you watch this movie. So by keeping some of the the story and dialogue kind of small, it helps you appreciate the bigness of what your eyes and ears are taking in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I can understand people not liking how simple the the plot is, I guess. But I don't know. I was raised on all those old European folk tales, so to me, it's it's totally fine, you know. Yeah, I um, I I think what you're saying is is really accurate about this movie because what what Argento chose to like heighten is. First, he took the score um, that is just like God, at so eleven. Good. To me, that's one it's of those like, ones. As soon as I hear those yeah. those magical chimey arpeggios, it's like I instantly, I instantly am transported to this movie. I, it, it, yeah, that that score really, really sets the tone so well, yeah. man. 
and he puts he puts color like he chose to go with the score and color as yeah. like the the lead like this is what's gonna be like the thing that drives this movie yeah and it works it does like Dude, to, i can't imagine how hard it is to make a movie that works based on sound and color I can't either. I, I I can't. I'm sure if I really sat down and 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 thought about it, I could come up with another movie that does that. But I not off the top of my head. Maybe that's the reason why you had the blind piano player get killed in the movie is because really Argento is like, fuck blind people. You can't see my movie. <laughs> <laughs> You can hear the sounds, but you can't see it. Fuck you. <laughs> How dare you not see? Yeah. I you know what? That would be something I would if if we I found out Argento had an anti-blind rant, I would not be surprised. <laughs> Hashtag fuck the blind. Yeah, oh no! Come on! <laughs> no, that's his hashtag. That's not mine. That's his. We we st- we started this episode with a like, hey, if you're depressed, get get uh, help. But if you're blind, just fuck right off. That's Argento's hashtag. That you know who mine. does? You know who doesn't listen to podcasts? Ben, huh. the blind. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> I mean, he gets killed by a dog that can see and hear. You know. <laughs> Yeah, we never actually. Are we sure that dog could hear? Okay, I that's that never dog stated. And I think it it was reading lips. Um, <laughs> I uh, I love anyway, yeah. again the audio and visual elements of the movie. I fucking love. So great. I love uh, what's her name? Jessica Harper that plays Susie Banyan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think yeah. she does so well with conveying so much in just in her eyes because she. She doesn't have a lot of dialogue in the movie, but she has just a really, she has such a great face. She's so expressive and she's so pretty. I really just enjoy seeing her on screen all the time. She is a very pretty, yeah. She actually, um, she reminded me of Styles from In the Mouth of Madness. Um, Yeah. They both have a similar look. I can totally see that. um, Yeah. Um, She also, it, it doesn't, it, it may have just been in an outtake of this movie, but she's real good at making scrambled eggs. Yo, you can see that on the YouTube because now, yeah, I just learned this recently. Apparently, Jessica Harper is living her life under the alias the Krabby Cook. She has a YouTube cooking channel, which is something I'm about to start up myself. Uh, and she also oh, yeah? has a oh, dude, yeah, I'm totally gonna start like a cooking channel called Coming in Hot gonna be good let's talk more about this off mic maybe we that do. sounds great maybe we anyway do. so she's got a, a youtube channel called the Krabby cook and she's got a cookbook and stuff too apparently i watched a video of her making a scormbled org and apparently not only is she all about exposing the secret covens of witches she's also all about exposing the secrets of adding a little bit of sour cream to a scrambled egg to make it better yeah wow. hey guys she knows what she's talking about okay yeah so the crabby cook try to find her on there so i really enjoy her um i love the movie really like as far as like negatives go the 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 bat scene is is really just so superfluous and pointless in the movie that definitely could have been cut out um and 
I don't know the scene where she goes to like the um, whatever the the witch the witch research laboratory or whatever where she tells <laughs> the professor yeah. stuff. It seems like yeah. that's some exposition that could have been delivered in some kind of different way. That that kind of gets into that area of, uh, you know, the the yeah. big story no no of introducing new characters in the third act of the movie. Yeah, where and I mean, yeah, couldn't she have just like, I mean, this was this was in the era where she would have gone to a library and looked at some microfiche or something that would, yeah. See, like something like that would have been a little bit more, yeah. a little bit more appropriate. That just seemed kind of like a clunky way to develop that sort of bit of information that she has to get. But I mean, it's fine, but it seems like it could have been yeah. done a little bit, a little bit classier way, but I, I, I will watch this movie 8 million more times. It's just so fucking pretty. And it sounds so good. I love the gore and stuff too. It's like you're saying, like, it's not realistic in the least. No. Although although the, but the, it's cool. the fucking heart stab scene is brutal as <laughs> fuck. It is. It's so brutal. I love it. I think it's one of the most gorgeous movies ever made. Not just in horror, but one of the most gorgeous movies ever made, period. Um, you could watch it with it on mute and enjoy it and probably still follow the storyline just fine. <laughs> yeah. So I would totally watch this many more times. I'd say on a scale of ten, this is a this movie's a nine out of ten for me. I really fucking love it. I can't disagree with you. I uh, would absolutely say this is a nine out of ten. I think um, uh, the things that might seem like absolute filmmaking sins to to people who haven't seen Argento movies or Giallo movies in general, um, they they just fall away and everything is is made a-okay by just the the these great gore scenes and the the color it yeah. it all just comes together and makes this a, amazing movie so I would yeah i'd say you're if, right if you're looking to get into some of these italian horror flicks and stuff like that you know if you if you want to get into something that has some some weird dubbing and some dialogue that doesn't really make sense and stuff like that. I would suggest even starting with like Lucio Fulci's zombie, sometimes known as zombie. Yeah, I was going to say, that's exactly what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Zombie two. Yeah. That's, that's again, it's a very simple story and stuff like that. That's a good kind of watch to get sort of into the mindset of what you're getting into. If this was the first like foreign horror flick you watched, I imagine it would be very bizarre and overwhelming. So, if you're new to this, maybe don't start here. I think even Phenomena is a better starting point than this. Yes. Phenomena is a great starting point for Giallo, which is interesting. I mean, the more Giallo you watch, the more Phenomena sort of lacks a little. Mm -hmm. But Phenomena is it's a good transition for American horror viewers into Giallo. I would agree sure. with that, man. So I love this movie. I'll watch it many Many more times, highly recommend it. Now, Steve, I heard that there, I heard that there is going to be a Suspiria remake that is going on here, and I, you can't see me, but I definitely have my skeptical face on right now. Ben, let me try to sell you on this remake. Sell it. Um, I, I. I see why someone would say you can't remake this movie. I said it very strongly when I heard they were remaking Evil Dead. That's true. And guess what? I was wrong. Everybody who said 
that they shouldn't remake the evil dead was wrong because what they did was they didn't remake it they they extended the universe and gave a a and director with a good vision a chance yeah. and what came out of it was an amazing fucking movie yeah so i'm with you sus- yeah so the suspiria remake i am not gonna pretend i can pronounce his name completely correctly but is gonna be directed by an italian feller by the name of luca guadagnino maybe i don't know and i understand um, he's done some other stuff that was pretty sick right yeah he's he's got a lot of cred this is a guy who who knows what he's doing the movie will be starring uh dakota johnson of 50 shades of gray fame which is probably not gonna that really worrisome so uh, she's playing the Susie banyan role yeah okay um, i'm gonna tell you what you that's know, the th- do you want to know who motherfucking should have been playing this part who it is the most logical, tonally and aesthetic choice possible. Uh, okay. I can't remember her name, but the main chick from the House of the Motherfucking Devil. She should have been Susie Banyan. Oh my God! Like she would have. Yes, perfect. she looks exactly. She looks exactly like her almost. I know she is a pretty, wow. pretty brunette with wavy hair and great big eyes. Like she's the same. And she Why also the fuck wasn't she cast. She in also this? played. I don't know. That's interesting. I would have cast Ilana Glazer, but that would have been a completely different movie. Who's that? Um, Ilana Glazer is from Broad City, uh, which is uh, one of the funniest shows on television. Um, So Dakota Johnson, the thing is, it's not actually a remake. It's doing something like the Evil Dead remake, where it is extending on the universe from a a different style. it also will have Chloe Moretz, who has made a, a a living off of being in these remakes. Yeah. And Tilda Swinton, who... Big fan. You know. Yeah, she's great. Love her. Is um, she playing the Frau? I don't know. Like, yeah, all of this isn't fully defined, but the music for the movie is all being done by Tom York of oh, Radiohead. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, that was announced recently. So, Whoa. um, hipster appeal uh, plus ten. Yeah. Uh, so I I think it might deserve a chance. It's being distributed by Amazon, which means I I'm not sure if it's actually coming out in theaters. It's huh. actually probably just going to be Amazon Prime, which means you're not missing out on anything. Like you're not losing out by watching it. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you already have Amazon Prime and it comes on, like you might as well give it a chance. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not gonna go ahead and give it my full seal of approval, but I, I think it, I think it deserves a, a shot. When's it coming out? Uh, there's not a release date yet. They okay. just, uh, just recently, uh, got Tom York to do the music. I, the, the movie's completely shot. They've already done all the all the movie but now they're just waiting on the music and post-production so wow i I mean i I hope to god that they nail it i don't really know i don't know this is one of those movies that just makes such a strong statement i don't really know how you could possibly add more to it or anything like that but i will definitely give it a chance so i'm on board to watch it yeah so the next episode of the show that we're going to do here is a a wonderful horror comedy from the good old chiodo brothers 
by the name of Killer Clowns from motherfucking outer space, which is a uh, a feel from good outer rock. space. Oh, that jam, dude! That 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 intro song is so fun, man. So that'll be a <laughs> that'll be a fun episode to go through. I look forward to doing that with you guys. So be sure to stay tuned for that one next week. In the meantime, Steve, where can these wonderful folks get a hold of us? Well, um, you can always email us at deadandlovelypod at gmail.com. Oh. Always love getting those emails. You can recommend some movies for us, ask us questions, etc. Yep. Um, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at deadlovelypod and we also have a Facebook group, so check us out. Oh boy, that's fantastic. And I'd like to ask you guys to do us a huge favor and rate and review us on iTunes. Go on iTunes, go to our podcast page and give us a rating and a review. Use your G-rated language or else they won't post it. That really helps us show up in those uh, search feeds and stuff like that. So yeah, if you want to do us a favor, please do us a solid and go in there and rate and review this podcast. Just takes a second. It can even just be you saying, I like it. And that's all and that will count to being a good review for us. So please do that for us. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ben Eller Guitars. Where can they find you, Steve? At Steven Spratling. That's Steven with a V. The only way to spell it. P.H. Stevens can P.H. fuck off. <laughs> well, you guys have been great, and we have been dead and lovely. We'll catch you guys next week. Goodbye! Ha <laughs> ha!